0: In two days, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. We do,
1: we do, Does anyone here know the lyrics? Ruby!
0: Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Streaming March 14th, only on Disney Plus.
1: Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Hot D, House of the Dragon. My name's Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're back to do another Hot D preview. Uh, Aaron, I think this is the fourth preview we've done so far. Uh, And it it looks like if the show keeps going the way it's going, we might do a hundred of these. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's... There's a lot of uh, speculation and news and stuff about uh, release dates and all that. We don't have anything official yet, but we're we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a little bit of just the tiniest bit of casting news. That should be kind of fun. Um, and then I, I want to tell people about a Twitter account that I found really cool. Uh, okay. and, and I know you also have some stuff prepped over there. You did. You did some actual reading to prep for this one. Yeah, I, I, I went to because I, I saw.
0: Uh you know when we're we're looking at the this hot D episode I'm like oh man we are in some content doldrums I do not I do not envy my brothers and sisters at winteriscoming.net that have to come up with daily posts of things to talk about because um yeah. they're wrapping up filming uh we have no uh, actual trailer not not an actual you know 2 minute long trailer uh we don't have a a, a start date um, there's not a lot of super exciting casting news and you know that uh, if you want to ooh and ah over leak photos and stuff like that that's one thing but so I'm like boy this is going to be a dry one uh, I'm going to have to consort to the original material so I went and I read and it's one of those things where it's like I first thought it's like okay these are going to be the top five things Aaron's looking for in season one of, of House of the Dragon and then I started when I was writing down I'm like oh this is going to turn a lot of people off because most people don't want spoilers Imagine oh, yeah. if like I you know, there's like there's some epic fucking moments in this uh fire and blood novel. Some of them are full page illustrations of this crazy dragon shit that might happen at the climax of season one, but how happy would you be if, you know, we were doing a putative Game of Thrones uh hype cast before it came out. And it's like top five things era. No, at number one, the beheading of Ned Star. <laughs> Woo boy, when audio, you'd be pissed, right? So like oh, yeah. I'm 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 confining my comments to what I think is going to be happening in the establishing moments of house of the dragon. Like we are going to come into the story and quickly be made to appreciate things like the fact that King Viserys dies to kind of kick things off. Like that's stuff that everyone kind of knows. Uh, Just like same way. Like if you said John Aaron dies in see in the -hmm. the first episode of game of thrones, that's not really a spoiler. Uh, Yeah. So that those are kind of things I, I dug through the first 20 pages and I want to talk about some thematic stuff and um, some character-based stuff and some some basic conflicts that they're going to be setting up um, for us to enjoy in the uh, hopefully in the in the first season.
1: All right. Uh, well, where do you want to start? You want to start with some? I think we should news?
0: we should start like the absolutely nothing spoiler. Just this is just casting news and and yeah. gossip stuff. Let's start there.
1: All right. We start with uh, casting for. Ellen Baratheon has apparently been cast. Now, this is not official. This has not come from HBO uh, or the production in any way, but it was found on her Spotlight page. I don't know if you're familiar with Spotlight, but Spotlight seems to be it, it just sort it's of a movie a profile. about Catholic Priest molesting kids, right? No, no, <laughs> it's not about okay. that. At least I hope not, because because Laura Lake is has been cast and she has a Spotlight profile page uh so i think it's just like you know a place for actors to put their headshots and their qualifications and ah, their I work see. history and all that stuff um and i was i was checking her stuff out because i was not familiar with the name laura lake but apparently she's been in she she is a serial televisionist she she has been in a lot of single episodes of a lot of different shows that you might have heard of like i don't know pennyworth bridgerton Britannia. Oh, they, they, you yeah, remember that the show with um, the governor from Walking Dead, David Morrissey? Uh-huh. That, that I guess has three seasons. It's kind of still going. It's on Epics. Huh. Uh. Yeah, and she was in an episode of that. She's been, everybody knows, has heard of Bridgerton, right? It's yeah. Like romantic, historical fiction stuff. I don't know. Um. So, she's been cast as Ellen Baratheon, who is one of four daughters i think of boros baratheon um out there in what is it storm's end is that that the name of their castle Uh uh-huh um and she's she's one these four daughters collectively i guess are known as the four storms but when i heard that name i was like okay cool that sounds pretty badass that sounds like she's gonna be a pretty big player in this thing and then I read a little bit further and apparently she's got like a thing to do with the beginning of the series probably and a thing to do uh-huh. with the end maybe and that's kind of it I was I was underwhelmed by like her I role was the same in all way, this
0: you hear the force cuz like I I've read Fire and Blood like uh it was something I did before season 8 you know Anthony and I were, uh were promoting our Gods of Thrones books and we were uh putatively going through this and reading it closely for hints uh about the the final disposition of, of season eight of game of thrones which is it turned out to be a huge waste of time <laughs> because the double d's just did as far as i can tell whatever the fuck they wanted to mm-hmm. um and, and didn't really care to pay off a lot of twists and turns that we were anticipating but um but but yeah what when when uh i read that i'm like oh the four because there's a bunch of color i mean this thing is filled of of colorful colorful people like you know boros uh, baratheon and cregan stark and I hear the four the four storms like well that sounds almost like a fucking X Men team you know mm-hmm. like one of yeah. them can call forth light but yeah I started reading the backstory and I'm like oh this is this is a lot more Sand Snake where the name sounds badass the reality is
1: <laughs> yeah
0: you know <laughs> like it's essentially some kind of dowry I was gonna like say some, her some, job some, is to some, be betrothed
1: some,
0: I- yeah it's a I bunch of know. marriage horse trading kind of stuff um,
1: which which could be like interesting.
0: This, you know, but yeah, yeah. This is kind of like uh, finding out the casting of Marcella Baratheon in se- season one of Game of Thrones. Sure. Like, yeah, it's a major character, but in the season one, she's just going to be a little girl behind Cersei, and you know, maybe she could be BFFs with Sans in another
1: world. But um, right, yeah. um, it seems like she's uh, Lake is a little bit older than you know Marcella would be. She plays, I guess, twenty one to twenty six somewhere. I-, I looked through her her uh spotlight page and i was kind of encouraged by what i saw because like a she's british so you know the accent is required so i guess she'll nail that uh she's got a lot of sports under her her belt here um in which she's highly skilled like archery boxing horse riding that seems pretty necessary for this show martial arts weaponry medieval sword fighting Eh, All right. Probably won't be shooting a lot of handguns or shotguns. Um, swimming, sword fighting. <laughs> oh, no
0: Boros stuff. Baratheon is a famous inventor of Westeros <laughs> He essentially uh, invents the blunderbuss. Uh, yeah, to, the wildfire right, yeah. blunderbuss. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, shoots vials of wildfire. Um, she also has some uh, precision driving experience, which probably won't be necessary either. I
0: want to see her back up a a six horse carriage?
1: Yeah. Yeah. In traffic.
0: Do a do a j do a one of those Rockford file turns with it. Pull the emergency break. Uh <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because uh, one of the points I'm gonna make in in my segment is uh George Martin clearly giving people adapting this work a lot of room to play around with with this cast of characters and the, you know, historical uh train of events. Um so I wonder like if they like it does seem like she's got quite the blank canvas to paint the character onto because she can mm-hmm. do so many cool things so I could see I don't know maybe they'll action her up and give her there's tons of like hints and in, in also the the main account where they talk about like so many innumerable side struggles when you have this cataclysmic um, realm shattering fight between the Targaryen the ruling Targaryens up top like everybody's kind of scrambling for their piece and they're, they're this and that and uh, I think it, it, it might be interesting to kind of uh more flesh out some of these side characters who are just betrothal bait in in the main, you know, uh historical sequence.
1: Yeah. Um no, I I I do hope there's something good in there. Like I said, I I don't really know her as an actor. I haven't seen any of her work, but uh seems like she's prepped to go in there and really hit the ground running. She could totally be betrothed. She's overqualified. <laughs> sure. Overqualified Most, people for <laughs> Most people are betrothal. Most people are uh <laughs> all right i mean we we that's pretty much all the casting news i have um that's even speculated at this point
0: yeah check out the previous three if you want to know the big the big stuff and, yeah. and what we think about it and how it fit in uh we're down to the next will be the milkmaids
1: the, the, the only other Arms. thing that i like gleaned from my readings here is uh, there's been this this twitter account um whose name is at House the Dragons. Uh which has been it's a Spanish Twitter account that's been posting a lot of behind the scenes stuff, like shots inside of some of the castles over there, shots of exteriors where they're filming. And there was there was, there was a see. really cool thing uh that they posted the other day which I was excited about as like a tech nerd. They have created Fire Simulators, um which is basically just this like think of like a giant led panel that hangs above the set. It's, it's enormous. It like runs down a city street essentially. Uh And, and they have like the leds timed to fire off as if a, as if a ball of fire was going through the sky. And so it can light everything. It's, it's a lot like, you know, what Disney's doing with the volume, except this is a lot simpler. I was
0: about to say, it's like it's like a single-purpose volume. It just <laughs> right, simulates right. fireballs.
1: Which, which says something about what they're doing, right? Like, we're going to have so much fucking fire in this show that we need to build Dude. some special, dedicated systems to handle it, to speed up the, yeah. the post-production.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing that gets your jaws kind of... Uh... Uh, slavering dripping saliva yeah what that means um, is when you read the descriptions uh, because it very early on in, in the account of the how uh, the dance of the dragons and fire and blood uh, one of the characters uh, Prince Damon gives a like a rundown at the disposition of the dragon fleets nice and it's like you know like we've got more they've got more or we've got more but oh man they've got the biggest baddest one and like they've got and I'll, I'll be talking about that but like yeah the thing about this that is a kind of like a high risk, high reward is it gets it. There's no hiding the dragons and magic in the show. It's not like Game of Thrones where, yeah, you got yeah. some creepy ice zombies up front, but then you forget like you are completely last. You're like everybody else in Westeros. Last thing you're thinking about is the fucking ice dragons and they hit you with Danny's magical, you know, survival of the fire and the birth of the dragons. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's like, you know, whole. You are not going to be eased into this. They have jumbo jet style dragons in both on <laughs> in, in in both hangars of the Targaryen forces. So like, yeah, they're going to be dragon dragons early and often. So they need to have economical and safe ways to put these CGI guys and CGI fire and still realistically. That's that's a really cool idea.
1: I like that. Yeah, yeah, it probably speeds up post production, which is something we probably ought to talk about because you know, this thing is starting to get. Push back further and further. I I know um the official fan convention was postponed, pro- probably, it was postponed once from January to February, and then I think it might be canceled indefinitely. Or it's postponed indefinitely. Postponed indefinitely. Um, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm sure they you know they're they're probably keeping an eye on these omicron numbers um, for sure. But but yeah, that was like widely speculated that there was going to be a major uh, trailer release. Mm-hmm. Um, but I gotta say that like. I went into researching this update confident that we like, like kind of nervous that like we might get like a late April release. Yeah. But very confident that we'd get a June release. And as I did research and looking at the film, like the fact that they're still wrapping up filming. Yeah. And there's a lot of outlets like Esquire and Variety that are now starting to allude to a late, 2022 or back or second half. So like I mm-hmm. don't know, man. We might be looking at a fall or even winter release on this, depending on how the post production
1: yeah. goes. It would be interesting to see this going head to head with the Rings of Power, right? Lord of the Rings stuff that Amazon is doing in September. I mean, that's just stupid, right? <laughs> if
0: you if you hear like someone's yeah. got a blink,
1: you can't you can't run you can't run Lord of the Rings back to back with Hot D. I don't know, man. Disney's doing it with all their shit you know they got a you Marvel show and a Marvel hot D versus movie and, loader? is
0: that even going to work <laughs> I don't
1: know I think fantasy fans hot would D be in heaven trying,
0: like, to move, trying to move a loader hot D does anyone want to watch two and a half hours of dragon shit each week
1: I don't know yeah a lot of people probably do I don't know about a hundred million of them but enough of them uh, yeah. we'll see we'll see because like you know that only has eight episodes or whatever right so that could run through October and then Hot D could drop. Yeah, they might be able to miss each other. Um, yeah. Or Hot D can come out early. We'll we'll see. They might be competing Also, it's like they. I don't know. Maybe they were. There's. They're,
0: they want to do a Highlander thing. They want to do a show off to see. You know. Yeah. Which, which fan base is is more resilient? Who knows? I think that would be crazy to run. Yeah. <sighs> you know the pro to be like running Invincible and the boys at the same time, which would be super insane because that's that's all Amazon. But uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think you would want to miss some of the, you know, like, don't run Picard against the the Expanse Some comments and stuff like that. Sure. Um, But the other thing is, like, you know, like, there's been, I think, two COVID delays already. Yeah. Um, And I think things are, if I'm reading between the lines, things are a little bit more strict than the restrictions, the filming restrictions in the UK, which is where they're filming a lot of this stuff. So. You got to get done the filming before you can get the post-production. And, you know, um, I, I know from talking to a lot of creative types that the post-production stuff can be just as affected by slowdowns and just people being out sick as anything else. So I no longer think we're going to get this in the spring or even late summer of uh, 2022. But uh,
1: yeah, we'll see. I, I doubt they give us a trailer uh, release. I was going to say, I doubt they give us a release date even in that trailer. I bet we get trailer one without a release date. Or with a like late 2020 twenty twenty two. Um, so you
0: think they're gonna have? Because we've gotten the teaser. Uh-huh. You think they'll go teaser trailer one trailer? Because I thought they'd maybe so. just just do full trailer and
1: maybe uh, maybe I don't know. The pattern I've seen from shows lately has been teaser, maybe even a couple teasers, and then trailer one, trailer two, then release. Yeah,
0: I gotta see. If, I'm, I'm uh, uh, if if we gonna trailer one, trailer two, trailer one's gotta have something like fall twenty twenty three. exactly yeah or winter
1: 2020 like general or time
0: yeah you can't just be like 2022 <laughs> in in the first trailer
1: <laughs> right what if it's uh, 2023 oh fuck? my god
0: <laughs> well it certainly changed uh, our allocation of time and uh, so yeah because we, we're that's the thing like I was just talking to another or we were talking shop with somebody uh, over the weekend and we were mm-hmm. commiserating over the fact that like other than Lord of the Rings, which are we sure that that the September time is like like you know like think that's, that's so far away? Date. It feels like something that's made to slip, right? Right, like, right. Th- I have zero information over anything that I'm excited to come back. Uh, you know, I don't know when Hot These happen. I don't know when uh, Better Call Saul is coming back. I don't know when the you know the the next season of Boys is dropping. I don't know when For All Mankind. Like everything yeah. is still up in the air. It's like what the hell. Yeah, Everybody's we'll to the, the Valve Studios It's done when it's done philosophy, I guess I like it um, Yeah, I guess it just makes our lives Hell to try to, like, you know, play Vacations and uh, advertising And all that kind of stuff Sure. Alright, well I think that's it for casting And basic uh, news and updates Where we're at, uh, we're going to take a quick break And we'll be back with uh, what we'll call Highlights from the early goings of House of the Dragon Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Okay, Jim, as I alluded to, I cracked open my copy of Fire and, and uh, Blood, and I read about uh, 50 pages uh, with a highlighter. And I'll probably be talking about the first 10 to 15 pages or so, uh, which just uh, just uh, it's just, just covered the first two or three days of um, the time period known as the Dance of Dragons, or it kind of kicks off the, the immediate uh, aftermath of King Viserys dying. And there's a lot of things Cause like the first time I read this, like I said, I was just kind of I was trying to read through uh, and find hints of things that would be interesting to talk about in terms of like prophes- prophetic fulfillment or, um, you know, essentially trying to find uh, interesting things to talk about about Game of Thrones. Now I was just looking at the narrative and I there's a couple of things I, I immediately struck me. Is number one, the the amount of room like the first page or two of this account is it feels like George Martin giving everyone every possible excuse to ignore or riff on or change the history that he's about to lay down hmm. um, because he says things like, you know, they're, he, he has different sources like the Septon, There's a Septon Eustace, who is this kind of like staid conservative fellow that offers a particular account. And then there's this fool mushroom, this dwarf um, uh, jester character that usually has, like, an extremely lurid, bloody, or uh, sexified take. And then there's also um, this Grand Maester Munkin that that compiled this uh, The Dance of Dragons, A True Telling. And he's kind of, like, what I think comes closest to, like, the authoritative voice in this historical account. But if you but then you look at the paragraph where he's talking about how much he likes Grand Maester Munkin, uh, they then have this caveat, though Munkin's exhaustive history was not written until a generation later. So you already have like no kind of firsthand accounts and drew on many different sorts of materials, including Maester's Chronicles, memoirs, Stewarts' records, interviews with over 147 (laughs) surviving witnesses, blah, blah, blah there's all this kind of like equivocating over whether you're getting the true story or not. And yeah. sometimes you'll get three or four different versions of a scene. I- and I think it would be really fun to like early on. I'm going to be looking as a, a game, uh, as a George Martin fan of like, which way the show seems to be leading. Are they leading more? Uh, I don't want to call this like Septon Eustace, like the fucking nerd, uh, the virtuous nerd, or are they going to lean mushroom? which is the, you know, uh, ex- extremely inappropriate, uh, dwarf character. Um,
1: I'm getting, I'm getting a real like epistles, uh, kind of vibe to this. Like the, the, you know, the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the whole section of the Bible yeah. that deals with like the death of Jesus. Um, yeah, I am getting that vibe from this whole thing. Yeah, there's
0: there's there's different flavors of, of what you can consider canon in this. You know, like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, like the different levels of canon. There's also a lot of because like a lot of times, like, you know, this is a pretty straightforward account because it reads like an encyclopedia or, or a history book. Um, but one of those that tries to cite different sources and be like, well, it could be this. It could be this, but it's probably this. Um, They talk about like because this is like a realm shattering event, you know, Um you've got the ruling clan that just a hundred years ago took over and, and, and united these seven kingdoms hasn't actually, I don't think been fully united yet. I don't, I don't think they've brought, uh, they've managed to bring Dorn into the fold yet. Um, so it's all a very new thing and they're having a civil war. The only way these people had to control us was their fucking dragons. We kind of secretly hate them. And now they're having a civil war. um, Fire and Blood points out that amidst the chaos and carnage brought on by their rivalry, other would-be kings would state claims as well, strutting about like mummers on a stage for a fortnight, or a moon's turn, only to fall as swiftly as they had arisen. I think that's interesting because it's like, it's it leaves room for tons and tons of intrigue, that it's not just the two, you know, the greens and the blacks, the, you know, the supporters of, uh, Queen uh, Alicent Hightower uh, versus, uh, uh, princess uh Rania. um it's it's all this stuff in the in the middle. Um they also say in the next paragraph, uh this was a war marked by stealth, murder, betrayal as well. <laughs> a war fought in shadows and stairwells, council chambers and castle yards with knives and lies and poison. Mm, latrines and, like, and me, outhouses. Mm. Right. To me, this is Martin looking right at the reader and be like I know this is called Dance of Dragons and about the Targaryens at their height fighting tooth and nail their dragons, but there's also all that good Game of Thrones shit in there, too. Yeah, totally. You're still going to have your master of whispers and you're still going to have your spies and your skull and all that kind of stuff. Good, because that's um, what I come
1: to these shows for, honestly.
0: And it starts off early, like in his account of King Viserys dying, you know, he talks about like the body was discovered in the hour of the bat in the middle of the night. Um mm. uh, when it was the king's custom to take a kip of a cup of hippocras, which is sounds like Martin's timey, you know, kind of like, you know, whatever, some kind of physician drink. Um okay. But like the dwarf mushroom comes in here and says uh that he thinks Queen Alison hurried King Vaserius on his way with a pinch of poison in his Hippocris cup. Mm-hmm. Um but then it's noted that King Mushroom wasn't actually at King's Landing, he was at uh, Dragonstone with the rival queen, uh, princess Rhaenyra. So it's kind of like, not mm. only was he not there and maybe he's prone to making shit up, but also he's got a vested interest in the other side because right. he was working for him. Um, but I'm wondering like, you know, is, is this, the, I, I've always thought of like this being the John Aaron event. And yeah. similarly, there was a question about that. He die of natural causes. Was he poisoned? You know, there's kind of a mystery. I wonder if we're going to see like this kind of mystery being explored in real time uh, in the books. But again, uh, this is this stuff that just happens like right right off the bat. Um, The other interesting thing is. um, Something that me and Anthony talked about is like, who does Martin think is the good guys and the bad guys, right? Like, does he try to keep uh, like a straight down the middle? Like, you know, is he on the side of the blacks or the greens in this fight? And I got to say, as I'm reading this, it seems like he's solidly on team black, hmm. like almost all the accounts say that the, you know, the Princess Rhaenyra is the rightful claim and like the high towers are kind of uh, up jo- they're, they're like very ambitious and they do a lot of dastardly things like, for example, and I think naturally you're sympathetic. So you got the Princess Rhaenyra. She is on Dragonstone in the middle of childbirth. She's got six children. This is her seventh, and it's a difficult child, but she's been in labor for three days. Her father dies early in this process, and everyone closes ranks around it. Like The queen has all of his manservants thrown into the black, tower, the, uh, the, the black cells because she doesn't want this getting out, and she calls the high, the, the high council together, and she eliminates anyone that like, is not on board with putting her firstborn son on the throne and denying Princess Rhaenyra her claim. Mm-hmm. um and there's this political but like this is all like parallel to princess rhaenyra fighting for her life in in trying to, to give birth to her, her, her child so i feel like naturally you're more sympathetic to her um
1: i would think so is there a reason like why she doesn't want that information getting out well because she's trying to steal the throne so like yeah, but how would that 24
0: help? years 24 years before this um the be- why he still had you know his queen uh and uh there's this there's this question about uh i uh you know which of his children should be the one that's going to succeed him you know do you go sure you know can it follow the, fe- the female line does it have to follow the male uh, and he decreed that like i want my my daughter to sit the throne uh-huh but the book makes a point out that like a lot of the lords that swore those oaths were like Children or teenagers, and a lot of them that were kind of like would be to support them this 24 years, like their, those men are dead or old and they don't have. So, like, mm-hmm. Otto uh, Hightower, who's the hand of the king and his daughter that's the queen, sees this unique opportunity to like essentially steal the kingdom back from the Targaryens. Sure. You know, like, or at least like our good, like, Andal Targaryen children will sit on the throne. Um, so I think that's what the, the 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 and so she doesn't want this getting out because if they did the proper procedures, which is ringing the bells and sending out the crows, uh, the queen, the the princesses, people could get prepared for taking over the throne. So she's got like a several day okay, head start. And there's once. like
1: yeah, the element yeah, there's like these
0: really grody details where time is tracked by how much the king's body is stinking uh, in his quarters. Yeah. Like it's like because like they're like the sisters of silence and the septons have not been there to clean his body or anything. He's just festering, and it's like mm. you know the, the the body can be smell smelled, smelled in the king's chambers. The body can be, the all of all of Megor's fast is now stinking, and the it's like there's Ugh. like this clock of of this putrefying corpse that's happening, which I'm I'm pretty sure will be a plot point. I would hope um, so. But yeah, and there's like. Um, I, so I'm excited about that there's also some drama about like which of the king's council is going to support this obvious takeover of the throne yeah. uh, and you got like you know war between the younger ambitious people who see a, a a chance to advance versus the old guard who remembered their vows Um, you've got some treachery Uh, there's a really cool account where um, there's two kings guard that are guarding the princess in their childbirth and there's the other five, including the Lord commander that are going to support the, the, the uh, queen Alicent. And there's a story of one of those five defecting in the first day and stealing the king. So like the, the queen wanted to have this complete victory where before princess Rhaenyra even knows what the hell's going on. She has got all of the King's landing united behind her son, King Aegon, the rule. Uh, she's got the official crown on, on the, her head, on his head she's got the high septum coming in to give him the blessing and like it's essentially accomplished like everything's done Mm -hmm. uh before the the team black even has a chance to tie up their sneakers and there's all this series of things that go wrong like one of the kingsguard defects and now it's queen uh that has the official crown on her head and she's looking (laughs) more official the high septum who's old got sick and he can't travel from old town so like a lot of these, like, big plan coordinate like, just got nipped in the bud be- because of circumstance, um, hmm. and I think that's, uh, going to be cool, too. There's also this, like, um, like, the first person that dies on the King's Council for not going on, there's, like, three different proposed deaths, like, um, he got put in the black cells and essentially starved to death, the Lord Commander slitting his throat as soon as he spoke, and then the Lord Commander throwing him out the highest tower window, <laughs> and it's like, again, huh. are we going to Septon... Eustace's depiction, or are we gonna roll with mushroom on this
1: one? I was gonna say that first one with the poison seems like it could be something that's debated, whereas that one seems like you're gonna see yeah. what one point of view is absolutely true. Yeah, um, there's also just like
0: fascinating, like, like, um, debates about like who do we think will support us, and this is where again I think, um, Team Green is coded for evil. Because a lot of, like, the Lannister allies, you know, uh, kind of line up behind them. You know, a lot of the people in um, uh, uh, Highgarden and uh, those types are, are backing them. But then you look at the list of the allies of uh, the Team Team Black, uh, Princess Rhaenyras. It's, you know, the Starks in Winterfell. There's this badass named Cregan that's ruling up there. Um, the Manderlies of uh, 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 White Harbor, another, you know, famous Stark bannerman. And then they mentioned that, like, um, House Aaron is kind of up in the air. They seem to be always the wild card, but they're worried because the current ruler of the Eerie is a woman and the Greens are worried that she's not going to support them because if they support essentially overthrowing the female succession, Mm -hmm. then that will mean that she could lose her position in the Eerie, too. So she's going to, for purely political purposes, back the Queen uh, Princess Rhaenyra's because she wants women to be able to hear it, you know? Sure. Um, that's kind of a cool, uh, I think a political angle that they, they do. Um, the other cool thing is like, the, is going to be meeting the dragons because you've got, like I said, the, this, this Prince, uh, Damon, uh, gives this kind of rundown of all the dragon fleets that the, the greens and blacks have. And the greens only have four dragons, hmm. but, um, okay. but they're, um, but their biggest one is Ve- this this Vagar, which is like the second largest dragon that the original you know the prince uh uh or the, the the king Aegon brought over from uh old valeria like these are like the original drag there's a one only one of them left and it's just this big like jumbo jet style dragon but all their other dragons are kind of young and their dragon riders are inexperienced mm-hmm. whereas team black you know who has their primary um has has Dragonstone. That's where all the dragons kind of hang out. That are not like the personal, you know, rides of the kings and whatnot. And they have a lot more of them. Um, so they have like, and they have like eight to ten dragon riders, which is another limiting factor. Because if you got dragons but no one to ride them, which is a, uh, it, it it seems like it's partially through the like Targaryen blood. They you know kind of like that. You have to have like, not everyone can ride a dragon. You have to have a particular either yeah. genetic disposition or affinity. Because they give these kids these eggs at birth, you know, like they put them in their crib, and the, it's it's kind of like the the eggs hatch, and like they bind to this, and like it's usually kind of like you know uh, during a, a a person's life, you will only ride the one dragon, you know. Um, so what happens with the, the thing, dragons
1: that outlive their riders? They can get
0: so well it depends because like dragons get old like as they get older and crankier they're less and less likely to tolerate some new person like uh valerian okay. the black dread he was the big de- dragon the Aegon uh mm-hmm. rode like in his later years he just preferred to like sleep in the dragon pit and like if you tried to rouse him <laughs> it was your ass and All right. There's like one like great granddaughter of Aegon that for whatever reason Valerian kind of like tolerated her writing him and there's like a whole fucking disaster about the that 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 story uh ends up with. And I'm almost wondering like how much will they be tempted to go back and tell some of these like great Targaryen stories? Like will we have some flashbacks of the days of Aegon and, and whatnot? Hmm. Um so yeah, like the, the older and crankier a dragon gets, the the harder it is to kind of bend them to your will. Um whereas if they're younger and you know you the, the dragon rider dies, you can replace them with another dragon rider. Um but they talk about so they talk about like, okay, we've got these eight dragons and dragon riders, we got these other three dragons that are in reserve. They haven't like the silver wing that hasn't been ridden since my granddaddy, but like he'd probably take him. And then they talk about Behind the mountain dwelled three wild dragons never claimed nor ridden by any man living or dead. The mm. small folk had named them sheep stealer gray ghost and the cannibal. Oh boy. And if I were to tell you that each one of these dragons has a pretty epic story of their breaking, <laughs> um, in, in this tome, uh, I would not be telling a lie. And I'm very curious to see how, because that's the other thing is like when the, if these dragons were ever to be used, it implies a certain level of desperation on the fact that the Targaryens, mm, like right. they've they've done, lost all their best dragon bets, and they're down to Sheep Stealer <laughs> and the Cannibal uh, that have never been ridden before. And yeah. who the fuck do they get to ride these? How do you how how do you how do you determine who is a dragon rider and who is not in a given populace? Um, yeah, do you conscript them and just throw them on the back and see what sticks? Uh, you just <laughs> measured a, their a,
1: their medieval Chlorion account
0: uh yeah tour <laughs> tour it so simple because it turns out there's a <laughs> lot of uh just just hard medieval dragon science that has to be learned oh, uh, in the terms of this The other thing that's really interesting is like so martin i think is uh, firmly is behind team black but he offers a situation where like by the time team black realizes that king is dead and they need to go into action uh Queen uh, Alicent and her father, Otto Hightower, have essentially put King's Landing under their iron grip, mm-hmm. and they've gotten more than half the realm to kind of already bend the knee. And the blacks get this terms offered, and they they said that the terms were uh, that King offered was was generous, you know, like essentially confirming, like, you get to keep Dragonstone, all of your sons will be given great holdings and lands and prime places you just don't get to rule no more. And the queen has to sit there and like, you know, is it worth making the the realm bleed for this? And I think the one time that Martin's a little judgy is like, I think a better person would have been like, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, these Andals have always not like, you know, and then they're there. This is their way of kind of breaking and tempering us. And maybe, but she their she just cannot con, you know, consonance this affront to the Targaryen lineage and her particular promise that was made to her by her father and she's a very and Sugar. the whole realm is gonna burn and, and bleed. They, they, they lead this account off with uh the Maester who's telling the story. Uh they said that you know he calls the the Dance of Dragons is a very fanciful name for something that would be more apt to be called the dying of the dragons. Because mm-hmm. the Targaryens never recover from this. Like this kills yeah. the majority yeah. of their dragons, their dragon riders it starts the spiral of their decline, which leads a hundred years. Well, no, 200 years later to Robert's rebellion, putting them out uh, for good. Yeah. Um, But the final thing I want to talk about, and this is thing that I think we've talked about in previous previews. The fact that there is um, the Sir uh, Cargill's or maybe it's Cargile. Uh, There's two twins, Eric, uh, Arik, and Eric. Sure. Not
1: confusing in any way
0: but they set these up these are like the anti or bizarro hound in the mountain okay these are brothers that love each other very much and they've been inseparable their whole life and they pl- both pledged service to the king and now they are divided because one thinks yeah. that king aegon has a better claim and one thinks princess v- uh Rhaenyra's, and there's this um they, they allude to it. They don't talk about it, but they said uh, long after the dance was done, the singer Lucian of Tarth would compose a sad ballad called Farewell, My Brother that still sung today. And it outlines the final night that the brothers, before they withdraw as enemies, they, like try to spend like convincing each other of which one is right. And then when they f- realized they couldn't, they, they, they pledged their love to each other and like kissed each other goodbye and knew that the next time they met it was going to be as mortal enemies. mean, mm-hmm. it's a really good tale and I'd like to who they've cast. I'm I think this is going to be one of the key uh points of interest. Yeah. Um because these are guys that like they don't really have anything to gain or benefit or lose uh because they they don't can hold lands and titles. This is purely a matter of honor and it's dividing this particular family like it is the realm I think it's going to be one of the standout uh, stories to look forward to.
1: Sure, that sounds good to me.
0: And I think I got to stop there because, like I said, I think this is all plausible episode one, two stuff. Anything else would be uh, to be more spoilery. And I guess if if we have another update uh, where we don't have a ton of like actual update, update, I don't think that'll be the case. Because in fact, we might. We talked about doing an emergency one, like regardless of where Anthony is in his season. If they drop another trailer for Hot D, we're going to be on there to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I think we But if we have another slow point, I might go in like, because there's tons and tons of information about like, what was Otto Hightower like? How did he become into the service of King Viserys? Um, you know, what is his daughter like? What was Princess Rhaenyra's like before? You know, like who? What what were her good qualities? You know, what why did her her father invest her into the queenship when she was so young? And how have things changed in the last 24 years? Stuff that's kind of like set up that. It does seem like they're going to get into because they've cast young versions of like all these different, mm-hmm. you know, queens and princesses so they can have like flashbacks to show how these, you know, relationships evolved and eroded over the years. Uh, but I think that stuff would be some some good fodder to kind of the dovetail into. Because, yeah, I can't I mean, I could tell you I could tell you what's probably going to happen in the first season. But do, I, you, do you really no. want me to? No, of course you not. Know? So, uh, Anyway, I've started the process of, of boning back up on my Westerosi history. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a it's a long and arduous process because this is all this was all 200 year history back when, you know, Game of Thrones was was a thing. So
1: yeah, I mean, you didn't need a lot of this uh, background for Game of Thrones. And I imagine you know, you're not going to need a ton of setup for this new series either. I, I think oh, no. they'll tell you everything you need appetite. to know. And you already have so many of the concepts, right? Like, I know what a Targaryen is. I know sure. a lot about dragons and dragon riding and stuff. Like, a lot of the heavy lifting that Game of Thrones had to do uh, later in its um, run it has been set up for this show in a weird way. And there's also kind of like, I think, something. If you,
0: if you do like the dragon action, um, it reminds me of uh, George Lucas. One of his pitches for the prequels is you, you never... When it comes to lightsaber combat, you only saw uh, 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 someone who's crippled Mm -hmm. and lost half of their body function because they're machine now. An old man and an untrained boy fight. Yeah, like you're now going to see Jedi at the height of their powers. The same thing about the Targaryens. Like Mm Danny literally learned how to swing her her leg over like two months before the main dragon action began. Jon Snow didn't even have that. Mm -hmm. You're now going to see like people who. Are skilled at flying, are practiced, and have bonded with these dragons their entire lives. uh, Get up to some crazy ass dragon combat, and I think I mean, it's one of those things where it, it could like it's like uh, if I told you you're going to watch a movie about a giant robot punching a giant monster. Like there's cool ways you can do that, sure. and there's dumb ways you can do that. I I hope that we get the cool version. I, I'm because, hoping yeah, it's like
1: all that stuff could be silly. I want it to be like a really good you know top gun style jet combat movie right like dog fighting yeah i, I th- those kinds of movies can really get me going and i understand like the tactics they're employing and stuff it's not just you know they're flying at each other they're shooting fire and they're veering off it's like no yeah, yeah. They're, they're trying to gain an advantage through positioning and stuff and that's the kind of stuff i want to see with dragons
0: there's lots of like you know night flying and storm flying and uh yeah, I think I I think done well you'll get that. And that's also like the climax of battle. Like, you know, these are also like the air war, you know, it like it's not gonna win the campaign, but like you have to do it before, you know, right. you can't you can't start you can't invade a castle while there's still dragons in the air, right? Sure. Um so there's also like the they're they're like the exclamation points on big pivotal battles already. So I think they'll be it's like imagine if like imagine if like the battle of the Blackwater, you know, uh like its climax was dra- uh, dra- instead of the 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 wildfires, literal dragons strafing castles and stuff, it'd be that much more exciting, right? Sure. So, like I think the 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 potential of these battles um, to be bigger and better is going to be awesome. But also, this book again portents a lot of backdoor. Me, you know yeah. negotiation and skullduggery and treachery and spy craft and intelligence and poisons and it's not all going to be the dragons uh
1: but mm-hmm. they're going to be a lot of dragons all right well i'm in for all that i'm excited about all yeah of that. uh we'll be back um in like two
0: two months or so for another hot D update and less to trailer drops in which we will come to talk about our impressions about that uh, if there's you know and, and as soon as we get information on when this thing is actually going to land mm-hmm. uh, whether the hot D is going to go head to head against the loader we're gonna have to <laughs> see uh, but uh, 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 thanks for checking in with the house of the dragon with us uh, we're gonna flip the keys back to Anthony and uh, we hope to see you back real soon until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim Later.